Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. 15 minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. First preaching of the gospel there in Acts chapter 2. I was reading verse 36 through 41. That was the English Standard Version. Here's this response. Here's this response. And this is what's always hit me. I try to put myself in the shoes of the people who were talking that day. And as they say, men and brethren, what shall we do? I think when, when I read it, it comes off sounding like, hmm, all right, all right, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. You got me, Peter. We did it. What next? But that is not, that is not patently not what would be happening. They had just heard you killed the Messiah. You said you've been waiting for him. You've wanted him. You wanted to surrender to him. You want him to develop the kingdom. Right. And you killed him. So when they say, men and brethren, what shall we do? That is a question of despair, not a question seeking information. I think as people ask that question, they did not expect to get an answer. I mean, in fact, what the answer ought to be, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter ought to say, (laughs) too late for you. But for others, here's the plan. But that's not what he says. He actually has an answer for them. Is that amazing? Absolutely, it's amazing. It's it's one of these instances where we, we don't get what we deserve. We get better than we deserve. I mean, this is the best possible news to be heard. Uh, when they are truly convicted, they believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. They believe this resurrection happened. And they believe that they are responsible for the death, the pain and the death. I mean, what do they possibly have to look forward to except the harshest judgment from God? It wasn't that long ago that some of these same people had been chanting for the death of Jesus, crucify him, crucify him. His blood be on us and our children. And our children. I mean, they are calling down the wrath of God upon themselves. They did it in ignorance. Now, what shall we do? What what shall we do? We we were looking for a Messiah. We were looking for a kingdom. And now we've killed the king. What shall we do? And Peter has a response. Mm-hmm. Repent mm-hmm. and be baptized mm-hmm. for the remission of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow. There really is an answer. There is something they could do. There is something that we can do even today. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. Which is completely different than what gets said in most pulpits every Sunday across the nation of America and the world 
when people say, well, what should I do? And they are asking, you know, people today are asking the information question. Uh, you know, maybe some have that despair, having realized the true depth of their sin and in despair, they're wondering, is there anything I can do? But asking this informational question, okay, what can I do? And so few people today actually go to this passage the first time that question was ever answered and just say what Peter said. Why do you think that is? Well, I tell you that um, that's also a big question, I guess, to unpack. Well, why do you think that is? Uh, you know, we'll just truck through a couple of thousand years of <laughs> church religious history. religious history and talk through that. Maybe before we tackle that one, though, uh, I'll just make the the observation that what is so wonderful at this moment is, uh, as Peter has laid out in this chapter, quoting from the Psalms, looking at God's plan through the ages, accomplished in Jesus, this resurrected Lord, to what end? That there actually is a response. There's an answer. It is God's answer for the problem of sin. I mean, what a wonderful word, remission. It means release of penalty, release from guilt, forgiveness. And all of this has been accomplished, not for the utter destruction of these people, but for their salvation. And not just their salvation, but salvation of humanity. You know, far away and as the many as our Lord God shall call to him. And so as this gospel message is to be called, part of it absolutely is the response, the simple response, where that um, broken, uh, humbled, believing, penitent sinner will respond in faith, in obedience to this word, baptism. Again, another simple word. It means a, 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 a dipping, a plunging, an immersion, immersion in water. And here one is assured by the promise of the Holy Spirit. The, the, this same word, whereby all this has been accomplished and Jesus is raised from the dead, this same word is saying that if you will trust him as the Lord and obey him to be baptized, your sins will be washed away. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All right, sweet tea. <laughs> so, I, I, so we have been accused of being an Arnold Palmer, and Andrew gets to be the sweet tea, and I'm the lemonade. So, all right, sweet tea. I, I'm, I'm gonna. All right, good cop, bad cop. I still want to know why, when Peter gets to this moment, he says, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." But today, what is most commonly said when people get to this point is, "Repeat this prayer after me." And we don't find that anywhere. And that that's the thing that's so fascinating to me is that the... Fascinating is not the right word. It's almost... It's tragic. It's tragic that, that what is... The, the thing that is most commonly said can't be found anywhere in the New Testament. And this thing that is found in the New Testament won't get said. And there are going to be people hearing this that are going to be upset. But all we're doing is reading what Peter said. Well, listen, I will say to that that the, the, the approach here is about as simple as it can be. Why don't we read the Bible? Why don't we see what it says? And why don't we do that? And in, I'm for that. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm for that. And, and I, do, I do think that that approach uh, is, uh, is maybe uh, shockingly simple to some folks. You know, I, I, I had the opportunity of, a few years ago to do a public discussion at a university campus, West Virginia University, and uh, I was doing a two-night discussion 
Well, uh, actually with an imam up there in Morgantown, and we were talking about Islam, we were talking about Christianity, we were debating scriptures, and who is Jesus? Two nights we did that. Uh, some of the feedback I got, though, was from one of the religion professors who came by uh, one night, and he was telling his class the next day, you know, there are some people who say that you can just read the Bible and understand it. And, and I was glad that Mr. Ph.D. picked up on that. That was exactly what I was saying. That was exactly what I was saying. I, you know, I don't, I don't get it, uh, Edwin. And, and, and part of the reason why I don't get it is I believe that God wants his will to be known. It's the first part of Acts chapter 2. The fact that all of this message is being preached in the languages for the people on the spot. God has spoken. He does want to be understood. Here's this word, this scripture uh, that we have easy access to in many different platforms here in the U.S. What a blessing it is. And to be translated in languages the world over so that it can be understood. God's truth can be read and understood, can be preached and understood. You know, maybe it gets back to a, a can I be content with what God says? Can my trust extend to, uh, okay, if that's what it is, then then I will do that? Or maybe I feel like it, it could not be quite that simple. Well, and, and let's be honest. I get it. There are some things hard to understand. We can even find in the scripture where Peter himself says that some of what Paul says is hard to understand. But then he goes on and says that people who are ignorant and unstable twist it to their own destruction. But hard to understand is not impossible to understand. Those are two different concepts entirely. Well, absolutely. And not only that, but here's been my experience. Some moment of honesty and confession. I think I have to admit that a lot of times when I come to a passage and I say, I don't understand this passage. What I mean is, this passage seems to be saying something I don't agree with. I don't understand it. I, I don't understand how I could say that. Now, sometimes that's a very honest approach to say, I've read another passage and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm working these things out. I'm struggling how they fit together. But I, I think we have to be careful. I, Acts 2.38 is not all that hard to understand. Well, I agree it's not that hard to understand. And I don't think that, uh, or I, I guess I would just add to that, we don't need to be fearful of doing some hard work in study and in discussion. Um, you know, you, you made the point that in a lot of pulpits, you will not hear repent and be baptized. Well, does that mean we shouldn't talk about it? No, we should talk about it. Does that mean it's not worth the conversation? Does that mean, well, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, so we should just, uh, you know, uh, agree to disagree? No, I believe it's worth the conversation. I believe that the message that God has communicated, it's what it's it is his intended message, okay? In other words, I don't want to sit around and say, well, well, what does the Bible mean to you and what does the Bible mean to me? What does the Bible mean if we do not exist? God has a message. And, you know, something like how does one respond to the gospel? How does one become a Christian? What must I do? What must I do to be saved? Those are certainly the questions that merit the utmost in study, in honest examination. If there's points to be made for or against, let's make the points. But this truth can be known. And one more thing before we wrap up, as we read through the book of Acts, this question is going to get asked more than once, and there will be some variations on the answers. But what folks today want to do is, oh, look, this question got answered in different ways. You only say that when you're plucking things out of context. 
Luke did not expect the various passages in Acts to be plucked out of context. He expected us to start in Acts chapter 1 and read through chapter 28. So every other answer that we hear to this question in Acts is predicated on this very first answer that we heard. The very first time the question was asked, how can I be saved? The question was, the answer was, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I know you and I are having this conversation. I just want to say to everyone that's listening, if, if you haven't done that, we want to help you. The Christians at Livingston Avenue want to help you. Give us a call. Come see us. Let's talk about it. Let's study this out. We need to wrap up with a prayer. Did you have one more thing you wanted to say? Well, I was just going to say, uh, you know, are you sure you're reading that right, that people should repent and be baptized? Well, as we continue reading in this text, that's what 3,000 people did uh, to be saved from this perverse generation. So. Amen. That is something to study on and pray about, and why don't we pray right now? Our great God and Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the time to be in this text and looking at Acts 2. So exciting, so exciting to see, Father, the first people who responded to your message in faith and obedience, repenting of their sins and being baptized to be saved. And, Father, we know that is your will, that all men should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And we pray, Father, that uh, Christians would shine the light be the light, and share your word with others. And we pray, Father, for anyone who's listening today, if they've not yet repented and been baptized in faith to your gospel, that, Father, you might make a way and that they would do that soon. We thank you, Lord, for your love, and we pray we might live and walk in your light. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well,